This is the Booze Tutor Podcast, and class is in session here on the WGOB Network. So like we always do about this time, grab a chair, sit back, get comfortable, and let's get this medicine in you. If this is the first time you're joining us here on the Booze Tutor, let me explain a little bit what this is. It's very simple, no frills, no thrills, uh, not a lot of production and excitement and jumping around and craziness, just straight facts about beer. We go style by style. Uh, for each episode until we run out of beer styles and then uh, we'll move on to something else you know liquor wine tequila vodka yes those are liquors i know uh all the information here is brought to you by a few sources which we cited in the in our introductory episode but just in case you're like i said you're joining us for the first time uh, everything comes from the bjcp so that's the beer judge certification program style guidelines from the brudex app available on uh, i believe itunes and uh, and google play or the Google Store, whatever the hell they call the Google Store, uh, Beer Advocate, Draft Magazine, as well as just some things that I've picked up along the way, general knowledge or you know articles that I've read that I would cite if I remember them, but uh, I don't remember all of them. So, And if this is your first time, all our previous episodes are available if you want to jump back and, and catch up. Each episode's about 20, 25 minutes, so they're uh, easily digestible. Uh, and of course, we'll be here when you get back. So with that... Let's get down to business. This time we stay in North America, looking at North American beer styles, uh, and we move on to the California Common. The California Common uh, exists in the Beer Judge Certification Program Style Guide under the Amber and Brown Beer section. Uh, It's also been called by its more trademarked name, which is Steam Beer. That, That trademark of Steam Beer is owned by Anchor Brewing in California, Uh, so, you know, Kind of like calling Band-Aids Band-Aids, even though Band-Aid is a brand or Rollerblade Rollerblade. Uh, to get around using the trademark, the California Common as a name was used instead to describe this beer style. Now, as opposed to other styles that we've discussed so far, with maybe an exception of the Cream Ale, uh, the California Common, it's it's been called a completely American beer. In fact, it is uh, the sole commercial representation of the oldest indigenous beer style in the United States. The California Common is one of the few styles completely born in the U.S., along, like I said, with the cream ale. Uh, but also there was the now defunct versions of the Kentucky Common, as well as the Pennsylvania Swanky, my favorite style of beer, the Pennsylvania Swanky. Uh, there's probably, to be fair... In, you know, with the craft beer boom and the breweries that are out there and billions and billions of breweries that are out there now, there could very well be somebody brewing a Kentucky Common or a Pennsylvania Swanky. Um, but essentially, those two styles have faded away, leaving just the cream ale and the California Common. And really, the author of Tasting Beer, uh, Randy Mosher, 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 I assume it's Mosher, uh, he said of the California Common, and I quote here, in my mind, it's the first craft beer. And he's probably not wrong. Uh, when we when we get down a little bit and we talk a little bit about how it's made and all that stuff, it really is like you know the modern or the, you know like the old school type of craft beer where everything just got thrown into it and hope for the best. So California Common as a style was developed in you guessed it California, uh, but in San Francisco to be more precise. Most people have its production as starting sometime in the late 1800s, and really. The California Common was developed uh, as, a, as a solution to the difficulty of refrigeration for lagering beer at the time. Um, 
lagers need to be fermented at a, at a colder temperature, ales at a higher temperature, which we'll talk more about as we go here. So beer in California at the time was almost, it almost had a, uh, like an old monk style of, of, of brewing beer. What I mean by that is the beer in California was usually fermented in shallow open containers, uh, in order to capture the sort of the cool air of the Bay area, almost like a cool ship, like the, like the monks would use in Belgium. But in this case, not necessarily for the wild yeast of fermentation, just for the cool air. Now, gradually what would happen is, uh, Lager yeast strains were developed over time that could handle higher, almost ale fermentation types of temperatures. So all of that is what leads to the production of the California Common. And really, one could argue that the California Common is the most resilient beer style to come out of the U.S. as well. Truthfully, it's it's survived over 150 years mostly uninterrupted there was of course a little thing called prohibition which we've talked about a few times that that was uh between uh 1920 to 1933 you can fact check me on that but i believe those are the right dates uh and so really the common along with the cream ale is the only other style that can come close but truly it waxed and waned in popularity and even production throughout the years Whereas the California Common just kept chugging along. It's always, it's always been there. It's always been available. So that's what a California Common is. But let's dive a little bit more into what really led to its existence. So the history of the California Common can be traced back really to uh, the influx of European settlers into California during uh, the gold rush. And lager always tended to be the drink of choice for many of Europeans of the time, as truly it really it dates back as far as the lager does, as far as the, the Middle Ages. Uh, but it experienced a boom in the 19th century, around the 19th century. The problem with lager, if there's a problem, uh, is that it needs to be fermented at colder temperatures. So somewhere around 40 degrees, although some brewers ferment even closer to like the 33 to 34 degree mark. Those types of temperatures, or you know, at the time, especially, well, even now are, are really tough to come by in California. Uh, add to that, you know, considering mechanical refrigeration wouldn't even really become a part of the brewing industry until the 1870s. And you had to come up with something. It's not like there was ice laying around that you could use. I mean, obviously there's ice, but it wasn't as readily available as it was in the North or on the East coast. So all of this, all of those factors, everything together kind of made lagers really tough to come by in California. So what do you do? Well, brewers, as brewers do, being, you know, uh, experimental and ingenious and, and being able to come up with things and do things because people want their beer, you know what I mean? Um, so what they would do, and Anchor most notably, they would start brewing with random ingredients. And they would brew with lager yeast at ale-like temperatures. So ale-like temperatures, you know, would that, that could be somewhere of the 68 to 72-ish type of area for ales. And I say random ingredients because that's kind of the other problem that they faced on the West Coast, um, at least in the early days of brewing over there, is that malted barley or wheat, those are your, your main sort of acceptable grains of brewing, and neither was really readily available in great supply for brewing at least. 
So what I read, which I thought was interesting, was that West Coast brewers would use anything that yeast could convert into ethyl alcohol. That includes things like grits, uh, sugary cereals. And what they would do, throw that stuff in, keep adding more sugar and hops, along with lager yeast, just throw it all in, ferment it all at ale temperatures, and poof, the California Common is born. And with that, let's get into what we all really care about. What's it look like? What's it smell like? Of course, what's it taste like? What's it feel like? What's it sound like? Maybe not that one. California Common's appearance should be a medium amber to light copper in color. And it's typically going to be very clear. Uh, You can expect a moderate off-white colored head. And the head should have very good retention. It should stick around. The aroma is interesting with the term rustic showing up more often than not uh, as a descriptor. If you start to kind of research the California common and what to expect, rustic shows up everywhere. Um, You should be able to smell really traditional kind of American hop aromas, uh, which is going to be kind of woodiness, rustic again, sometimes even almost like minty qualities. Now the hop aroma will be anywhere from moderate to like high strength. You could also experience a low to moderate uh, caramel or even, um, you know, bready but more toasty kind of maltiness in the aroma. And really sometimes it's both, you know, a combination of, of the hoppiness um, mixed with both a caramel and a, and a toastiness all at once. There can be a light fruitiness in the aroma, and it's not necessary, but it, but it is acceptable in the style. Now, when you get it in your mouth, it's very, very straightforward. There's not actually a lot to talk about. It's a medium-bodied beer uh, with medium to high, medium-high carbonation. That's about it. You know, it's, it's, it, it's very straightforward. Now, the flavor, the flavor can have a lot going on. Generally speaking, the California Common, it'll be moderately malty, but with a very pronounced hop bitterness. The malt flavors are usually toasty again. Uh, as opposed to being like roasted or any of that kind of thing. Uh, and typically caramelly, again, following the nose. Speaking of following the nose, the hop flavor also follows the nose by typically being uh, woody, rustic, again, or even slightly minty flavors, though that one's a little bit more rare. The flavor is usually low to even a moderately high hoppiness. It's not going to be, you know, your pale ales or your IPAs or that kind of thing, but there, there could be a little bit of hoppiness in the, uh, in the, in the, in the flavor. The California common typically finishes fairly dry and crisp. There is occasionally, um, a lingering hop bitterness though. It kind of sticks around, especially in the back of your throat. And then what's been described as a, a grainy malt flavor could also be there. And again, like the aroma, uh, that light, the light kind of fruity esters are acceptable, but generally this is going to be a very clean beer. Here they are, your vital stats, your alcohol by volume, your ABV, you're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 4.5% to 5.5%. Still a very sessionable beer, a beer that you can knock a couple back for sure. Uh, your IBUs in the neighborhood of 30 to 45 and your SRM is uh, between 10 and 14 on the SRM food wise pizza. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, it's going to pair well with uh, barbecue, uh, cheddar cheese, pepper, Jack cheese, some grilled pork, you know, pork loin, something like that. 
uh, and shellfish, actually. And then as far as commercial examples out there in the world, the very obvious one, the one that you're going to find more often than not, is Anchor Steam. Uh, but there is also Lucky Hand, Cali Common. Uh, Widmer Brothers makes a Columbia Common, they call it. Same idea, though. Um, Flying Dog has Old Scratch, Amber Lager, which is on the outskirts, but it does technically count. And then Steamworks Steam Engine Lager is another big one. I'll be completely honest with you. I think I've seen Anchor Steam and maybe the Flying Dog one, but I, I'm not even 100% on that. So all in all, the California Common is a style that is usually lumped in with other ambers, but it is far more unique than that, really. Um, besides the ingredients and like the strict use of American hops, it's the brewing with lager yeast at a high ale temperature that really sets the beer style apart. It's a style that's born and bred in the U.S. and is still available fairly unchanged, you know, fairly unchanged. Uh, it's available to you today. You know, you can be drinking the same thing that they were drinking back then. And really saying that, Anchor Brewing is so intertwined with the style that we can't possibly talk about the California Common without also talking about Anchor Brewing a little bit. Uh, so just a few words about them. They were, Anchor Brewing was founded in 1896. And while not the first to brew the California Common, they're certainly the ones that are most recognizable uh, and, and have the most recognizable version of the style. In fact, it's one of the only few remaining breweries to brew the California Common at all. And in fairness, they were purchased, Anchor was purchased in 2017 by Sapporo, uh, but they claim that it's not going to change their production as far as the, the Cali Common. And, uh, you know, they're gonna, it's going to be business as usual, which I know a lot of craft breweries say when they get bought. But we'll see. Now, when we talked a little bit before about the California Common style being the type of style that's persevered, that same thing can be said about Anchor Brewing. I mean, they debuted around 1896, like I said, and they it was not easy in the beginning. Um, they survived a pair of fires, really aggressive fires that wiped out two locations. Uh, they also had to survive the death of two of their owners, one of which fell from San Francisco's cable car. Anchor then was able to outlast both Prohibition and the kind of post-World War II uh, brewery consolidation where the whole industry shrunk down and shrunk down and shrunk down. And so many breweries were destroyed. Well, not, I shouldn't say destroyed, but were eaten up, absorbed, disappeared. They don't exist anymore. Uh, Anchor was able to slide through all of that. But as the 60s approached, or even into the 60s, uh, Anchor, really, its equipment was behind the times, their techniques were behind the times, and they even had a single employee. It was called the, the smallest working brewery in America at the time, and probably the only one making uh, steam beer still. You could argue they were saved in 1965 by Frederick Lewis Maytag III, who purchased the brewery. Um, and then moved it to its current location back in 1979. In fact, let me read this quote. This is a direct quote about how bad things were. Uh, Anchorstein was a culinary freak show. It was available only in kegs because of a dearth of retail accounts did not justify the expense of bottling or canning. And the brewery probably couldn't have done so without either releasing case after case of sour or spoiled steam. Anchor Brewing and its signature beer would both surely be gone soon. The dying embers in a once blazing American beer landscape. 
if not for the fact that remaining retail accounts were so loyal, if for no better reason than nostalgia for San Francisco original, and then the, the appearance of Frederick Lewis Maytag III saving the brewery. Things started to turn around for Anchor in about the 1980s when their steam beer began to achieve uh, national attention. And really, their, what would happen is their demand would increase exponentially over the next couple of years. And then as they started to rock and roll, they really are, are recognized as one of the first American brewers, not the first, but one of the first, to produce American versions of the porter, the barley wine, or even the India pale ale. Uh, it, started to be, it started to be a successful brewing business again. In fact, there, things were going so well that in 1989, they were able to get away with a, sort of a gimmick beer. Uh, they were brewing a batch of their, their steam beer when the Loma Preta, which I'm sure I'm butchering the name of, but that earthquake uh, began. So the altered beer, it was released as a normal anchor steam. But what they did is they, what they did, it was they took the label and inverted it. Uh, it became, it's now been referred to as the earthquake beer, but it sold very, very well at the time. So it, they almost could, I don't want to say do no wrong, but things had really bounced back. They took a, Anchor Brewing took another chance in the 90s, the 1990s, by opening an Anchor distillery. So their own micro distillery. They put it in the same location as the brewery. And the, the production there was for a single malt rye whiskey, uh, as well as a couple of gins. Both of the gins named after uh, juniper, the, the, or at least the Spanish word for juniper, junipero. Again, I'm sure I'm butchering it. So they, they're off and running. Now, of course... They have gone through a couple of sales since then. Uh, in 2010, Maytag sold the company to the former Sky Vodka executives. And then last year in 2017, Sapporo announced that they had purchased Anchor Brewing. But through it all, one thing remained. Anchor Brewing and their steam beer. They started brewing the steam beer in 1896, and it was their beer. The Anchor Steam was the, st- was the beer that they brewed all the way until 1972, which is when they brewed their second type of beer, uh, which was their porter, their 5.6% porter. So from 1896 to 1972, that's what they brewed, the Anchor Steam. Think about that when you know you think about breweries today and the various, various, various different styles of everything that they brew. Anchor hang, hung in there with that steam beer from 1896 till 1972. Well, I hear the bell, which is uh, always our sign that it's time to wrap up and get on out of here. It's been a big and exciting week, or two weeks really, for the Grills of Booze. Uh, we are back with our our video show that's been a hiatus for a couple of months. So Grills of Booze TV Season 2, Episode 1, is up and available now on YouTube. As well as our first ever podcast as a group, Grills of Booze Radio. So all of that is here. As well as the return of our show after the show after the show that we call Slosh Talk. Uh, Slosh Talk is basically just uh, the gorillas after having quite a few beers, and we try to coherently talk about various topics given to us by either Instagram Live or just things that pop into our head, pop culture, you know, sports, games, whatever, whatever. Uh, so Slosh Talk Season 2, Episode 1 is available now on YouTube as well. Be on the lookout for Episode 2 of Girls of Booze TV as well as Episode 2 of Girls of Booze Radio, both of which should be out shortly. They've been recorded, so we're just in the editing process now, and they'll be there. Uh, we appreciate all the all the support, of course. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play, 
SoundCloud, anywhere you like to, to get your podcast action at. Give us a five-star if you like what you hear. Uh, social media-wise, we are the Gorillas of Booze on Instagram, at Gorillas of Booze. Uh, Gorillas of Booze on Facebook, at Booze Gorillas on Twitter. I am sure that our Vero account that we don't pay any attention to is still active, if, if that is your thing. You can always drop us a line, gorillasofbooze at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, ideas, criticisms, uh, I don't know, whatever you want. So that's it for the California Common. Uh, be sure to come back and join us next time as we continue to to round about or round out rather North America, as we're going to jump into the American Pale Ale as we inch closer and closer to the inevitable American IPA. Uh, we're not quite there yet. We're at the American Pale Ale, so that'll be next time. That's it. Of course, my name is Doug. I represent those gorillas of booze. This is the Booze Tutor Podcast. See you next time.